Welcome to the We Are SC podcast. This is Eric McKinney and, and joined up first by Greg Katz. Later on in the podcast, we're going to bring in Rich Rubin and, and talk some basketball. But uh, Greg, up first, a, a couple things that we'll get into and we'll, we'll put a bow looking last week on signing day and, and USC. Uh, I, I guess hoping that the class isn't finished off, but finished off for now. Um, to take a quick look back at that. And then we got to hear from the two new assistant coaching hires. That's Clay McGuire, the offensive line coach, and Seth Dagey, uh, the new tight ends coach. So first, let, let's look back at, at signing day. And, and going into that, we kind of knew what the class was going to look like. Certainly the, the Rayshon Davis uh, commitment on signing day didn't, you know, shock anybody with, with kind of that being expected. But uh now that you've had a few days, um, go ahead and, and take a look back and kind of your your overall thoughts on how that class played out and, and where USC sits right now with it. Again, the, the high school signees and also those uh, uh, transfer portal additions as well. Well, first of all, the whole uh, uh, second signing period was amazing how much uh, focus uh, was on uh, – you know, one linebacker, you know, Rashawn uh, Davis, um, that you would sit there and decide that the whole recruiting class, whether it was good to very good, depended on him when that was kind of the school of thought on, on Corey Foreman. But once SC got Corey Foreman, then all eyes turned to Rashawn Davis. Now, I have to tell you, uh, I'm not an early riser, <laughs> but I have to wake up around 8.15, and uh, it hit me that, uh, you know, uh, Davis is going to make his announcement at 8.30, so I, I got on my little my cell phone there, and I, I got the coordinates, and, you know, it popped up, and the first thing I noticed, and I, I, thought, I thought he was going to SC. I thought he was going to SC, but that being said, the first thing I noticed was the tie that he was wearing, and it was it, red and white, and that, my first thought was, Ohio State? You know, <laughs> if, if it didn't lock in as, as being kind of modern day colors right away, it sure screamed Ohio State when you first saw the tie. Absolutely. I, I didn't even think of modern day because it's the scarlet, whatever, and red. But that being said, all of a sudden it hit me. I go, no, you got to be kidding. <laughs> you know, so, you know, when he finally said, you know, USC fight on. Now, what I wasn't familiar with, which I thought was kind of another little uh, uh, backstory on this was. On his Twitter site, he showed pictures of him standing next to Pete Carroll as a little boy uh, uh, down at uh, Howard Jones Field. And uh, then there was another one that was a picture of him all decked out in every possible USC garb that you would expect a young USC fan to be wearing. So this one may have been a little bit more shaded toward SC than we really understood uh, because, uh, you know, the COVID is going to make a difference, I think. You know, mom doesn't probably doesn't want him going away to school with all the COVID and everything. And, you know, obviously he grew up with a USC fight on deal. And, you know, it's one of those things I think when push comes to shove you until you're backed into the corner, you know, you know, sink or swim, yes or no, USC or not. I think there was just way, way too much. This has been a part of my life. Take a look at these pictures when I was growing up. And give a lot of credit, of course, to the SC defensive coaching staff. I think they did a obviously a really nice job, and we know that they did because who who comes out and makes a you know an announcement a little earlier um, 
but uh, you know, the number three prospect in the country, uh, you know, in Jackson. Uh, so, um, you know, it was one of those things that maybe uh, unfounded fear that he wasn't going to SC at the end, but in the end, I, I'll tell you, I think he's going to be tremendous. I can see him doing the same thing as that uh, Talanoa Hufunga did. You know, I watched the video again on him. You know, he's not a real large player, but in size, but you know, either is Hufunga really. Uh, and you know, he, he, he can move and he can hit and he's smart. So uh, it was a good, it was a good ending to the recruiting class. Now, does that mean that I thought the recruiting class was flawless? No, I think it was a top 10 class. I don't think anyone's going to argue about that. Was a top five? No. And what's holding SC back, and it's just like beating the deadest of dead horses, is this offensive lineman situation. Uh, and I, I uh, found it really interesting, and I know we're going to go into it later, about things that um, the new offensive line coach, um, you know, Clay McGuire was talking about and his feelings on recruiting and so on and so forth. But I think what this recruiting class did for me I think all recruiting classes are based on back-to-back, especially when things aren't going well. Uh, this class of 2022 has to be the offensive equivalent, uh, especially offensive linemen, to what this class was in, on a defensive scale. I think it's a, a really, really solid class, but but we knew that going in uh, and then kind of tacking Rajon Davis on. It's, it's, it's a good group, but I think what's more important to you, I know, and, and I think most USC fans. Let, let's go to, to Clay McGuire. We got a chance to. Can I just hear, come? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go go ahead. Go ahead. Because it, it ducktails um, on what you were talking about for the, for the class of 2022. Mm-hmm. So, I'll say we. We're, we're obviously we want to see SC win. We want to see them win at a high level. Uh, we don't parade around pretending we're a site we are sc but we you know we play neutral in a lot of ways but we're also realistic i believe but one of the things that i did think that showed up and um i'm going to write about this um you know with with dominique jackson uh it was a tremendous beginning a tremendous beginning but to me what sc has been doing on offense and questions about the air raid uh, and coming in last in rushing, what bothers me is that already maybe arguably one of the top three backs in the entire country, Raylick Brown from modern day, has already announced he's going to Oklahoma. So, you know, I, was, I want to more, know more about it. I, I know that he was a transfer from Stockton uh, Edison High School. Of course, Stockton Edison produced uh, one of the all-time tight end legends in USC history and Charles Young. But here's the point. The point is, Rayleigh Brown is being re- was recruited by um, uh, Murray, uh, DeMarco Murray, and USC. I was there at some of the camps that DeMarco Murray was at at USC, and of course, DeMarco Murray was out of Las Vegas, and he was, you know, he ends up going to Oklahoma, which to me is a real inroad for Rayleigh Brown. But here's the point I want to make, and then we uh, we can transition. You know, even if Rayleigh Brown has committed to Oklahoma, if he really spends a whole year playing uh, at modern day, uh, is in the SC culture area here, what really comes back to, and I'll be diplomatic on this, uh, the Roosters coming home. 
when you got a guy who's like that in your own backyard at a USC major feeder school, but you are last in the Pac-12 in rushing and you have an offensive coordinator that doesn't give you the impression that he's either flexible or uh, gives much thought to the running game is nothing more than, well, we'll, we'll just kind of change up a little bit. Uh, yeah, you know, normally I would sit there and say, well, you know, if, if really Brown is here long enough and SC does well, you know, maybe they can get back in the recruiting game with him. But it's got, if, if they want to have a guy, a running back, I mean, let's face it, they weren't running the air raid when, when, when Najee Harris was the top running back in California. And he turns out to be maybe the top running back in college football at, you know, out of Alabama. You can't lose those people. And when SC does what they're doing with the air raid, in my opinion, is they're playing defense on themselves. They're basically cutting out the Raylick Browns of the game. Uh, and hopefully, uh, somehow, some way, they, they will show that they do run the football so that a running back by Rayleigh Brown uh, might, you know, find interest again, and they have to do that. So um, hopefully that that will take place and they can get back into the running for Rayleigh Brown. But it's pretty hard to convince a guy, look, at we're the place for you, but by the way, we came in last in rushing. And, uh, you know, we were last in rushing by, you know, about 20 yards per game next to, I think it was uh, maybe Arizona ahead of SC. So that's something to keep an eye on. I think that does kind of transition perfectly into uh, talking about Clay McGuire and, and the new USC offensive line coach. And it felt like to me, I, I'm going to throw this thought out before I, I ask you kind of your overall thoughts or, or maybe what stood out to you the most about him talking. It, it felt like to me, he's not being introduced as kind of the run game coordinator but it, it felt a little bit, you know, he's a, he's a new guy and yes, he's familiar with Graham Harrell and they have coached together, but he hasn't been at USC long. It did feel a little bit like he was trying to be an ambassador for the running game. You know, they, they, he's not the run game coordinator in, in terms of title, but that's kind of what I took away is he gave more than a nod to like, oh yeah. And also a run game exists and we'll, you know, who knows? You know, it it did feel to me like he was going to to go to bat a little bit for that that running game. Now, what happens with that kind of between now and and the season and throughout the season, you, you can't tell from an introductory press conference. But but for me, that was kind of the uh, again sort of the um, maybe the first bullet point, I guess uh, that that I took from listening to him. Well, I think you're 400% correct. Um, I found him to be speaking his own philosophy uh, with passing. And I don't think it necessarily was in sync from what I've seen of Graham Harrell. Um, I think, you know, think about this. He brings up in the press conference, the great USC lineman from the past. He brings up Tony Vaselli, brings up uh, Anthony Munoz, okay? So he's he's well aware of the. You always like that, right? Any anytime someone comes into USC, that they that they know enough about it to, to rattle those names off. Exactly, but I'd be a lot more uh, skeptical if he wasn't rattling those names off. Sure, because then you'd wonder. But you also have to wonder how much does he really know about what the offense has been the last two years, because using your words, he was more than an ambassador. 
he talked about the importance of, you know, taking the ball under center, which we know absolutely that uh, Graham Harrell does not want to do because when he was asked, he says, well, we, we, we do what we do. Okay. And uh, so I saw from what I interpreted. Okay. And I saw the same thing as you and all the other guys on the beat uh, that could be maybe taken as an ambiguous statement uh you know blocking schemes or how do you differ and you know what's your how are you going to be different than say tim drevno uh but you know he was you know we have to be physical i'm one of the things i liked is he said i mean right out loud uh the teams that go to the national championship level all have powerful offensive lines it all starts with the offensive line well how do you argue against that i mean the guy, you know, it's, it's kind of like the cart before the horse because he he definitely, I don't think, was, uh, uh, how shall I put this? I don't think that he was uh, trying on purpose to undercut uh, Harold, but it certainly isn't what we hear Harold talking about in general. Now, Harold might talk about, you know, we're, we want to be physical up front. Well, guess what? You're not. You know, we can see that when it's, third and one, fourth and one, you know, inside the five goal line, uh, you're not physical, you know, teams like Alabama, Notre Dame, et cetera, they are physical. They've proved it. Okay. It's not, well, you know, don't, let's not give uh, Alabama too much love or any of that. It is what it is. And I was encouraged just on a surface level that he, he was saying the things that I think that many USC fans wanted to hear. Now, wanting to hear it, as we well know, and seeing it put into practice can be two different things. We don't know what's going to happen when he has his, quote, staff meetings. I would hope that he would push the envelope a little bit in staff meetings. Uh, I got the impression right now that Clay, uh, Clay Helton does whatever Graham Harrell wants. He's basically said, help me. It's yours. You know, you... You, you, you know, you want the big apple, take the big bite. He has taken the big bite. So how they, the, he relates, McGuire relates to what he thinks needs to be done with the running game and what Harold is willing to do. Now, let's put it this way. In all honesty, it doesn't really make any difference how many changes they make because in an actual game, when Graham Harold starts calling the plays, are we going to see 11 straight passes? and then maybe three straight running plays. You know, so far, I don't have uh, all the confidence in the world about what they're doing in certain situations. Um, so we'll find out, and I think McGuire's going to find out, and maybe Seth, uh, uh, is it Dogie? I can't, I keep. Seth Dogie. Dogie, yeah, uh, are going to find out uh when the games are actually played how much their philosophy has uh should we say uh inner interchanged with uh graham harrell's and that's that's the bottom line to me just show me what you're going to do in the game and then i'll then i can work backwards and say oh they did do what mcguire said or daggy said seth daggy at the the new tight ends coach and he gets a bump up from a quality control analyst and, and he's been working with quarterback so again the familiarity is absolutely there and I thought one of the more interesting things from him is his familiarity with Clay McGuire you know coming from the the same area and kind of Clay being a, a little bit ahead of him 
uh, in football, but kind of that, that legend there in, in Crane uh, at, at Crane High School uh, that Seth Dagey Seth was right behind. So again, kind of some, some familiarity and being able to kind of talk to each other. And, and Seth Dagey talked a little bit about kind of using the tight ends in, in the run game too. But it, it's for me, again, what, what I took from that, it's more of the same of we, we want a, a dynamic Drake London-esque guy. When they talk about, he talks about Jason Morrow from uh, Texas Tech, the, the, you know, tremendously productive pass catching tight end uh, that certainly feels like kind of option one that they want. They want a guy who could really stress a, a defense like that. And then also, if you can, if you can chip in, you know, blocking in, in the run game too, that'd be great. It'd be great to, to get a guy uh, who could do both, but that's going to be a, another interesting thing, I think, for the tight ends because there's always that caveat, right? Oh well, we've got we've got Drake London, and so we'll count him a, a little bit too uh, in with the tight ends. But boy, Drake Drake sure feels like a a wide receiver most of the time when, when he's out there. Yeah, well, you know, let me just say this about Daggy. You know, and I think you brought up a very good point. Look at Daggy and McGuire go way back. Okay, they both used to work out together when when uh, McGuire remember. McGuire, by by his experience in the past, did not come up playing offensive line in high school. He was a highly legendary player, according to Daigie, uh, in West Texas. Uh, and the irony, of course, is that Daigie's father eventually became the head coach at Crane High School. So there's, you know, it's, it's easy to get into a staff meeting. And it's all about relationships that if McGuire says, hey, we should do this. And let's say Deggie says, yeah, you know, I support that too, coach. How much flexibility uh, is, um, you know, uh, Harold going to have in listening to people that, you know, he knows. I think the fascinating thing is, is all of them are former quarterbacks. They're all quarterbacks. And I think, uh, I'm not sure it was Deggie or it was uh, McGuire I think it was McGuire who said, you know, quarterbacks, they just want to throw the ball. Okay. We all want to throw the ball. Yeah. Quarterback driven play calling kind of that, that sort of concept is is what he threw out. Yes. Yeah. So translation, uh, you know, we, we come to throw, but to be honest with you, a a lot of what uh, Deggy said, I I liked what I was hearing, but I don't know whether uh, when it comes to play calling, you know, the old saying, uh, uh, you know, a leopard doesn't change his spots. Um, unless Helton gets involved and says, no, we are going to run the ball more. I want to see that. I don't know if Helton is willing to do that. I don't want to say it's blackmail. But uh, right now, Helton is, is, is banking on this offense to resurrect uh, him off the hot seat. And uh, we're going to have to wait and see. But I think both of them were actually uh, – you know, impressive in their own way. Uh, and, uh, you know, let me tell you something. SC's got enough tight ends. They, they've got talented players that if you put them, you know, give just give an example here and not to reach back. But, you know, when Raylick Brown says, I'm going to Oklahoma, what do we know? And what does Raylick Brown know? He knows that they pass the ball at Oklahoma, except when they run the ball, they run it with power. And they, it's not lip service. That's what they do. 
And the point I think that I think a lot of SC fans would like to see is, okay, if you want to be in the air raid, be in the air raid, but why can't you run it uh, a system like Oklahoma? And this isn't to sit there and sell Oklahoma because all SC has to do is be, uh, you know, balanced and, and be physical up front. And, uh, you know, SC should never be in a position where they're losing the top running backs in the area. They shouldn't be in a position where they lose uh, offensive linemen. And I think that uh, in listening to both uh, the new coaches, I think philosophically, they know what it takes to, you know, to be highly successful. Both of them talked about winning national championships, but talking about it, you got to, you got to win the PAC 12 first. And hopefully that will be in the near future. Yeah. And the one thing that's clear is, again, kind of the familiarity there. I mean, everybody on that offensive staff now seems to be kind of same page and and let's get going and, you know, talking about kind of being more physical and, and getting that run game going. Uh, we'll see. I, it, it's kind of how we've ended every every conversation about what the offense is, is going to look like and is it going to be more balanced is it going to be more explosive are the tight ends uh going to get involved and what does it look like sort of up front I, I think spring ball will be fascinating and then by the time they they get in the season which you know feels ages away <laughs> at this point but i think we'll get a good sense of kind of what clay mcguire brings uh to that offensive line room and also what Seth Dagey, again, that that sort of elevated position, ha- having maybe more of a say there uh, as he takes over that tight end room. So, Greg, I uh, appreciate it, as always, uh, hopping on and, and talking a little football. We're going to flip over now, bring in Rich Rubin and talk a little USC basketball. Welcome in now, Rich Rubin, who covers basketball for, for We Are SC. And Rich, it's been an interesting year, and and we'll start off with the most recent thing, the big win over UCLA on Saturday. This was a, an, an odd game, you know, with UCLA kind of right right before the game, not having two of their best big guys. But what did you see? What did you take away specifically just from, from that game, USC, again, cu- coming out with a big win? Um, well, it was an unusual game, as you said, but – uh, my big takeaway was how well the Trojans played defense um, with or without the uh, UCLA bigs. Uh, I don't think it would have impacted uh, how well the Trojans did on defense on uh, all of, uh, on all of the players on the perimeter. Um, UCLA, UCLA didn't have anybody who had a good offensive game and it really looked like the Trojans length and their defense defensive intensity just, just shut the Bruins down completely. That seems to be kind of a, a what's been a calling card a, a little bit under Andy Enfield is they they seem to kind of preach defense uh, under him and it's a maybe a little surprising for the people that that knew him from that Florida Gulf Coast where all you saw were dunks and kind of highlight real stuff and and that kind of thing. What's been your take during his time at, at USC specifically on that defensive side and, and I guess how that's evolved and, and become something that SC can rely on a little bit. Well, you might remember when he first came to SC, uh, Steve Alford came to UCLA at the same time. And uh, Enfield had a uh, sort of infamous or famous quote that's that something to the effect of, if you want to play fast, come here. And if you want to play slow, go to UCLA. Mm -hmm. And in the first several years, um, I I think it really was an offense, 
uh, offensive dominated team. Mm -hmm. Um, Jordan McLaughlin did a great job of of moving the ball and they were, they were scoring big numbers in the last few years. uh, They have gotten much better defensively last year. They were very, very good. And uh, this year they're, they're very good as well. And I think Enfield has basically adjusted um, to the personnel that he has. And this year's team uh, defends a lot differently than last year's did because of their, of their size, but they're very solid on the defensive end and have played well in almost every game. When we talk about personnel with USC, especially this year, you, you start with Evan Mobley, the, the five-star guy, you know, number one, number two, whatever kind of rankings you look at. What, what are USC fans seeing in him? And, and you, you know, you, you've seen way more than your share of, of USC basketball going back some years. What, where does he sort of fit in? And, and what are, again, kind of what are SC fans getting this year with, with Evan Mobley being able to watch him? Well, I mean, it's, it's actually um, quite the gift, I guess, that um, in the last two years, USC has had the best two centers that, I, that I've ever seen play for the Trojans. Uh, Evan is different than uh, Onyeka was in many respects, but uh, he, he's going to be a great NBA player. Um, and I've, uh, I, I've heard people compare him to other people in my in my mind, the closest comparison is Anthony Davis, not the Anthony Davis of today, but the Anthony Davis when he spent his one year at Kentucky, um, because at that point, Davis did not have a lot of the offensive shots, especially from outside that he that he does now. Um, Evan basically dominates a lot of games, even when he's not scoring big. The other team's defense is uh, prioritized around uh, Evan and, and keeping him from scoring, especially inside. And I think that for all Trojan fans, um, it's going to be a lot of fun to see the rest of the year because we won't have another player like that for, for some time. And a guy close to Evan, Isaiah Mobley, uh, a, a brother, his development from last year to this year seems, seems fairly striking. Where, where do you, uh, I, I guess, what have you seen from him differently this year? And, and how important has that been to kind of the, the whole structure of, of the team? Well, I think it has been important. And there has been a lot of improvement in several areas. He's, first of all, he's a much more confident player um, on both ends of the court. He's defending much better. Uh, he is, he doesn't block shots like uh, Evan does because he doesn't have the same quick jump but he's a good defender and he's bigger and he really often takes on the, the bigger postman. Um, he's rebounding better and uh, he is looking for his teammates and finding them better. Although he's scoring more than he did last year, his, I thought his offense frankly would be better this year. I thought he would uh, be shooting a higher percentage and, and making uh, more shots. Um, and, and it really is because of that, that I'm not sure he has reached the level where he's going to be an, an NBA player at the end of this year. He might be, but I, I think his offensive game still needs to develop more, but he is much better than he was uh, as a uh, freshman last year. And if he stays, I expect him to be a lot better as a junior. And then outside of those two, it's a, it's again, another year at USC where we, we've seen some guys, come in and, and develop over two and, and three years. There, there's been a period of that, but there's also been kind of at USC the, the share of 
transfers coming in. And this has been a big uh, transfer slash grad transfer kind of team that's come together with, you know, guys like Tajidi and, and uh, uh, Drew Peterson and Isaiah White, uh, Chavez Goodwin. You can kind of go on and on and on outside of the Mobley brothers a ton of that potential and, you know, clearly Ethan Anderson in the, the Mobley brother discussion too, but uh, can you go back a little bit to, to when all these transfers kind of were being announced and, and coming in and, and maybe how you, if you saw that coalescing into kind of how well they've all played and, and maybe how that has developed over the season. Well, there, um, a lot of things went into building this roster, um, starting, I think, with um, two things. First, that the Trojans, I think, were surprised that Elijah Weaver left. Um, I think they just automatically uh, expected him to, to be the, the starting off guard this year. So they were caught um, a little unawares. And uh, they had prioritized trying to recruit at least one more big time player to play on this year's team with Evan. And they really went hard after uh, Zaire Williams, who ended up at Stanford mm -hmm. and uh, Josh Christopher, who ended up at, at ASU. When they couldn't get those players, they had to fill out a roster because they only had three players returning in Isaiah Mobley, Ethan Anderson, and uh, Max Agamipolo. Um, and so they went out and ended up in a sense with, with six transfers. Drew Peterson uh, was a transfer last year, set out last year. He, he practiced with the team, but he didn't play, obviously. Um, they got the three grad transfers, um, and they also got the, uh, uh, Drew Peterson, who uh, was a transfer, but not a grad transfer, and Josh no, Morgan. Sorry, Noah Bauman was the, the transfer, right, from San Jose State that, that sat out right. last year and, and right. eligible now this year. Yeah, exactly. And so um, I think the coaches have done a remarkable job in putting the team together with um, various players who fit the needs, fit the roles that, that are uh, open and, are, and, and that are needed to basically, you know, field a good team. And they've done a great job in a abbreviated preseason practice time of getting teams to play together cohesively. And um, they, they did their homework and brought in people that are unselfish, team-oriented players at a time when it was really hard because there were no on-campus visits. And um, all of the new players that came in this year, all the uh, transfers, all five of them, came in without ever visiting the campus or without ever having an in-person discussion with any of the coaches. So, I, you know, I think they've done a remarkable job. And if there was a vote today, uh, I think Andy Enfield would be the conference coach of the year. Sure. Uh, th this has been, you know, the 2020 season in all sports has been kind of one that has, has been completely different th than anything we've seen. And I think USC fans following along with, with football, they had that week uh, where the Colorado game had to be canceled and, and dealing with some of the issues there. USC basketball has also had a few. How, how have they navigated through that? Because we've seen it, you know, really throw some teams off and we've seen the schedule kind of get get bounced around a little bit. But, you know, USC sitting there 15 and three and, and kind of seeming like they're on a roll right now. And it, it seems like they've been able to withstand 
some of those bumps, e even though it makes it difficult if, if you can't practice, if you can't get into that rhythm and if you're missing games. Well, that's right. Um, they were basically uh, unable to practice at all to get together at all for over two weeks. And then since they came back, they won, I believe it's 10 of 11 games. So they have come back remarkably well. Um, they still have potentially two makeup games to play. They, they have a game at Galen against Stanford, which is scheduled for late in February. And then I don't know if the Oregon game is going to be played or not, um, because Oregon has missed so many games that uh, they may or may not be able to make them all up. I, I think the players and the staff did a remarkable job in being able to get themselves ready to play almost immediately uh, after their uh, COVID restrictions were listed. They only had a practice or two before they were back in, in a game. And so um, I agree with you. A lot of teams have had this problem with, with missing games because of the virus. I don't think the Trojans could have done much better in terms of how they handled it and how they responded. How how good is this team? It, it feels like you look back early in the year and, and it's such a feels like such a, a typical USC basketball start, right? Where, where you go, you go to overtime with California Baptist right out of the gate. You've got that that loss against Connecticut where you look back at it now and you think, boy, boy would we love to, to replay that game uh, again, you know, an overtime win against UC Riverside. But you've got some some solid play in there, too. What Where is your kind of ceiling for this team how, how good are they how good can they be as you go forward and now you're starting to eye you know maybe a really good seed uh in that pac-12 tournament and then depending on how the ncaa tournament uh ends up looking maybe having some momentum getting in there too well they certainly have the opportunity to do all of that um i my sense is that they have they've had some ups and downs um, fortunately, they've not played a game where they were both offensively and defensively struggling. You know, you mentioned the UConn game. Um, that win, uh, that loss looks worse now than it, than it was at the time because UConn lost their best player, who was going to be a, a potential lottery pick this year. I'm sorry, UConn. And um, he, he was lost for the season uh, a few weeks after the Trojans played them. Uh, but that was definitely a winnable game. And certainly the Oregon State game was very winnable. But you mentioned a couple of the close wins and, and that they could have turned out the other way. So I guess their 15 and three record is probably pretty fair given the overall performance of the team. You know, right now they're the best team in the league. I don't, I don't think there's any question. They've still got several hard games yet to go and we'll see where they wind up. But they should finish in the top uh, at least at least a top three uh, in the conference and, and may win the conference. Um, and they, frankly, uh, if the, if the tournament was held today, the PAC 12 tournament, the Trojans would be the favorite and in, in, uh, the number one seed. I've heard people talk about this team is so good. Um, they've got so many parts and they're so deep that maybe this is a, a final four team. And I, that I, I don't buy into that. Um, but I do think they can get it. Uh, they can win two or three games in the NCAA tournament and, and really have a, a nice run. Um, you know, and one more thing out of that, there's um, there are a lot of players on this year's team whose uh, 
who it's unclear whether they're going to be back next year. Uh, all the grant transfers are eligible to be back. Um, Isaiah Mobley um, may or may not be back. And um, they've got a good recruiting class in. So next year, the Trojans won't have the five-star big man. They, don't, they won't have Onyeka. They won't have Evan. But I think they're going to be a pretty solid team again next year because they have a, a pretty solid foundation. I was going to go into that as well. Where, where does, again, there's so many transfers and, and this year is so strange, but where do you see kind of the USC program right now? How, how strong is it when you're talking about, you know, if, if they're, if they're the team in the PAC 12 right now, and certainly after beating UCLA, they're, they're first place in the conference. Uh, is, is this a, a lasting trajectory that Andy Enfield has them on right now? And, and is this kind of a, a program right now built to sustain that going forward? Well, I, I think they are building a solid foundation. And I, I think that has been true over the last uh, four or five years. Um, and that's, it's been a great stretch for Trojan basketball. And, and this year could be the best of, of all of those years. I look at um, the, the building of the team in, in, uh, as kind of different than what a lot of schools are doing. Trojans have had a ton of turnovers in the, in the last couple of years. You know, off of last year's team, they lost uh, to transfer uh, Elijah Weaver, um, Sturdivant, and um, uh, O'Bannon, um, three players who they expected to be playing on this year's team. Beyond those that uh, graduated, um, and those, and uh, Onyeka who left for uh, for the NBA. I think this coming year's team will uh, have more returning players. And also they're bringing in a lot of young players who are gonna be there for more than a year or two. And so I think the team is evolving so that next year and the following year, they're gonna have a lot of players that are used to the system, used to playing together, and I think the team will be different. They won't have a dominating star, but I think they're going to be solid for the next several years. And and Joshua Morgan, you know, he he's not Anyeka. He's certainly not Evan, but uh, a guy that maybe you can plug in the the transfer from from Long Beach State, and that he's all everyone's kind of eligible to play this year. But but there's a few guys. Reese Waters jumped on onto the program early, and and Joshua Morgan too. Have you been able to, to see enough or, or kind of gather enough from those guys? And I know we're middle of the season and, and kind of talking about next year too, but, but in that sort of growth and, and, you know, sustaining the program moving forward. Well, I think they are using this year for Josh Morgan to de- try to develop offensively. He was a great defensive player last year at Long Beach state as, as a freshman, he was the, the conference uh, defensive player of the year. And so there may not be a big drop-off defensively if he's in the lineup uh, instead of Evan. There will be a big drop-off offensively. And how much he's improved from last year, I, I, I don't know because we haven't seen him play. But, but he will get some minutes, as will uh, Bubakar Kulabali. Uh, um, we've seen him in very limited minutes. Uh, he is extraordinarily athletic, uh, um, but you also see he's not yet polished. And I think in the long run, he's going to be a good player for the Trojans. How much play next year, 
uh, depends probably on whether Isaiah Mobley and or Shabazz Goodwin are back with the, with the team. Um, I, I think Reese Waters can be a very good player. I've seen a fair amount of uh, tape on him. Uh, he can shoot from any place on the court. He is, he's a good three-point shooter. Uh, he can get into the, into the lane and he can finish at the rim. And uh, there are four other players coming in next year, all of whom are pretty good. Again, they don't have that five-star standout who's a one and done, but they do have uh, a group of guys coming in along with the returning players that they can really build a pretty nice team around. And, and we'll finish up kind of this season looking forward a little bit. Where, where, where can USC get tripped up? If, if we're talking tournament, what, what is, I guess, what do they need to avoid? The, the things that have kind of plagued them throughout the season, if they're going to go as far as uh, they certainly w- would like to go. Well, there's, a, there's several things that, that could uh, cause the Trojans to not only lose to a good team, but, but get upset by a team that's not as good. Their free throw shooting has been a problem all year. Um, and uh, they, they have not been able to straighten that out. I, I think there are three players. I think it's Taj, uh, Drew Peterson, and Evan. They're shooting over 70% from the line, and I think that the, they're the only ones. And Isaiah Mobley and Chavez Goodwin are, are shooting in the, in the, in the 40%. Um, so that's one area. I think another area is that at times – uh, se- several games, they've had a lot of turnovers and that has led to fast break opportunities for the opposing team and, and, and some scores. And I think last night was, was an example. The Trojans on some nights are very good offensively, but on other nights they struggle. Um, and they still have not yet figured out how to get the ball inside to Evan on a consistent basis. In some games, uh, he, he can do it. In some games, they just can't get the ball through him. So um, I think if all of those things are a problem in any particular game, they can lose to anybody. If, if, they can, if they're playing close to their, to their game, if they're playing close to their best, then they're a team that, that can and maybe even should win the conference regular season. Uh, the same thing with the conference tournament. And the type of teams I think that will give the Trojans trouble in the NCAA tournament are either teams that can match their size, um, but are much more physical, and teams that that have some really outstanding shooters. So if if you've watched the Baylors and the Gonzagas of the world, the Trojans are nowhere near close to that level. But they do have the opportunity to end. Uh, maybe end up with as high as a three seed, depending on what happens the rest of this season. And um, I expect in the new bracketology that comes out tomorrow, they will probably be a five seed and um, rank very high in the, in the net rankings. They were ranked number 20 going into last night's game and they'll, they'll move up several spots. So the, the team is starting to get some national attention and they have the they have the potential to really go on a nice run and, and make it very exciting for everybody who follows SC basketball. And, and I I feel like one guy that we maybe haven't hit on a, in this is Ethan Anderson, and he's been in and and out of the lineup. Uh, I believe he's played ten, just ten of of the eighteen games. 
How are they different with him? What have you seen from him? And I guess at this point with, with the back stuff, can, is it safe to sort of rely on him to, to be there and, and uh, kind, of, kind of play point for them? And, and also, if, if you want to go in a little bit, uh, Tajidi has, I, I think, probably outperformed, you know, what, what a lot of people expected. And he's had to carry a lot of the load this year, again, with what's going on with Ethan, with, with the, uh, the injury issues. But yeah, I agree with you on both counts. Um, Taj has certainly exceeded my expectations. Uh, he's been pretty consistent offensively and is the second leading scorer on the team and, and does a good job. He doesn't turn over the ball much. Uh, he can score driving to the basket and he has a nice outside shot. He, he isn't a player who can be relied on to handle the ball. He can't be the lead guard um, and he ha- doesn't have that many assists this year, but he's, he's been a pleasant surprise. Um, Ethan was outstanding last night, um, and was a big part of that win. And that's just, that's the first game that's, he's been back that he really has played really well for the Trojans to succeed as much as we'd like them to, uh, Ethan has to play and, and play a lot. And I would not be surprised to see Ethan inserted back into the starting lineup in place of Isaiah White, uh, which would go back to the starting lineup that that uh, the team had at the beginning of the season. And uh, along those lines, um, Drew Peterson needs to come back and be the Drew Peterson of the first half of the season. In the last four or five games, he had a great 10 minutes against Stanford, the the clean 10 minutes. And other than that, he he has not played at the same level as he did in the first uh, 12, 14 games. For the Trojans really to make a nice run, they need everybody to come through. Um, and uh, Drew was a, was a big part of the team. I, I still think will be a big part of the team, but but he, he has to come back to his, his prior level. And so right now USC has, again, it, it, it's kind of a guess as to how many games they're, they're still going to play this year, but somewhere around eight to 10 uh, in the regular season, the, then you've got, you know, potentially Pac-12 tournament and then potentially NCAA tournament. I'm uh, going to put you on the spot, I guess, a little bit. You, your uh, prediction, again, at this point, with, with so much that could change, uh, where you where you see maybe USC finishing that Pac-12 tournament and then also uh, maybe what they can do in the NCAA tournament in your eyes? Well, they have uh, nine games left in the regular season um, since they're, you know, they played 18 and, and uh, the original schedule was for 27. I don't know if they're going to play that Oregon game. So they may only play 26. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they have as good a chance as anybody to be the number one seed in the Pac-12 tournament. And they will definitely be one of the top four teams and, and have a buy on the first day. There's some question whether uh, conference tournaments are going to take place, although everything we hear from the Pac-12 indicates that, that they indeed will. And I, again, I think the Trojans, um, if the tournament was today, they'd be the favorite uh, to win the tournament and, and, and should win a, a couple of games uh, and get a nice seed uh, into the NCAA tournament. So they're at uh, 15 wins today. Uh, they, they should finish the season with uh, 20 plus wins and probably more in the neighborhood of uh, 22, 23, 24 wins. So 
I think we're going to look back and say, you know what, this is a very good Trojans team, and they had a really very good record. Do you see a, a couple wins? I mean, is this a USC team that, that puts two, three wins together in the, in the tournament, or is it still maybe because of the, the turnovers and the free throws not that's you know that not that kind of safe bet to to be able to beat a couple teams there you know what it the NCAA tournament almost every year and for almost every team depends a lot on matchups and it so it depends on who they're playing but there's there's no reason that this team can't win at least a couple games in the tournament and and conceivably get to the elite eight um they're good enough to do that depend again depending on who they're matched up um, but it'll be very disappointing if, if uh, they come home without a couple of NCAA tournament wins. All right, uh, Richard, that, that would be uh, a, another fun USC basketball team to watch. Maybe make some noise in what, whatever this tournament uh, ends up looking like. So for, for Richard, and that, that's the look at uh, USC basketball. Next up for them, uh, traveling to the Washington schools, February 11th uh, against Washington, the 13th against Washington State. So thanks for, for joining us, uh, Rich, and, and talking a little USC basketball. And thanks, everyone, for listening to the We Are SC podcast.